Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Find and Follow podcast, where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. Here for a summer edition. I think I'll just declare it now. Summer with Craig, Kyle, and Scott back at the podcast HQ, because we are in like a week right now of incredible summer weather. Five days? It it really is kind of unusual. We have Record setting. Agree. It's it's record setting. 80s to... I saw 92. Yeah, that doesn't count. Your car readout thing from your engine being warm doesn't count as as what the temperature is. That's not true. Yeah, I don't think we hit 92. We definitely I didn't. was in a zone where you guys weren't, where yeah. it was 92. Yeah, you're in make-believe land is where That's, you live. It, does it not count when you see it on your car no. and you drive around? It's asphalt and concrete buildings. It's more heat than the official... No, nope, you got to go at the, the airport. Get, yeah, at the airport. That's not... That's bogus. No. There are different temperature variances around the region wherever you are that's the temperature you go get in your car we first turn your car on it's warm it it's been sitting in the no, sun the engine that. compartments all heated you're like oh it's 106 outside today. what about my bicycle cycling computer it has a temperature and it said 90 something and it said it's i started it was 87 and a half and then it went to 92 at one maybe point. the lord's just trying to does it heat up just because the sun's beating on it yes it's Probably a little bit, but not like dramatically. Not yes. like you would think it's 130 degrees. Because it said 92 accurate. and it wasn't 92. So. Okay. Anyways, there you go. You We're can dream. Get like off it. the pot. But the point is this. It's like full summer weather. Until tomorrow. Sun is out later. Like it's, you know, you wake up, it's sunny, you, it's late and then so welcome to the find and follow podcast where we're all about bickering over the where we argue about weather in our life anyways this is just how, this is how kyle and i communicate people sometimes don't know how to handle us when we're having our conversation and there's other people around they're like they get it's one of those like tv shows or or movies where you watch and you feel awkward because there's an awkward scene happening between the characters and you can't handle it yeah like kyle and i can handle it other people i uh, don't know what to do but anyways, it's wonderful out. It's great. It is. But it kind of, for us at our house, is fooling us because it feels like summer. And then we think, oh, we'll just act like summer. Stay up till late. No, there's school tomorrow. I got a, I was at the pool this morning early, didn't see my kids before school, and I got a text. Hey, this is Wyatt. I'm done at 1135 today. Can you pick me up so we can play nine holes? <laughs> is he really done, or is he just choosing to be done? Well, he's got Idaho standard testing, and that's mm-hmm. when he gets done. He knows to the minute. He's like, so then he thinks the rest of the day, ah, just nothing really happened in Summer, there. Yeah. Can you pick me up at 1135? Yeah, at dad doesn't need to work. He doesn't have a job. No, yeah. it's fine. When I saw that, I was like, y- yes, I do, yeah. but <laughs> you have school on? I'll pick him up. Say Kyle, Kyle swing by. He won't care. It doesn't matter <laughs> yeah, if you want care. If anybody wants to pick him up and go golfing, he is game for it. Too bad nobody's listening live right now. So we have to record this. Be like, hey, anybody want to go golfing today with? Yeah. Wyatt is looking for more playing partners for the summer. So if you're interested, he's available. He'd love to golf <laughs> more often than not. So, but yeah, we're, I don't know. You, you doing anything? You feel like it's summer? Like, is that hitting it you? It does feel Same. that way, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've been working outside at my house, doing all kinds of things that I typically don't do till later in the year. But you know, it's been good weather; things are blooming, um, grass is growing, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I've been yeah. busy. I wish it was a little like last weekend was great. Friday and Saturday last weekend, oh, but then I feel like the rest of this week I haven't been able to enjoy it because it's Monday through. You know, tomorrow I do have a tea time, but it's going to rain and be. And tomorrow the high is like fifty-five yep. or something mm-hmm. like that. 
Yeah. So it was 55 at 5 this morning, you know. It's, I know. It's awesome. So, yeah. But here, here's what, you know, I'm at. You just got to be in the day you're at. That's right. Enjoy it while you can. Sometimes people look ahead and like, oh, the weekend's going to rain or whatever. This was the conversation earlier in the week. Today it's 82. Like, let's just enjoy Yeah, but today, today I'm sitting in my office on my computer, <laughs> and I look outside, and I go, ooh, that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> that's nice for somebody. Well, hopefully whenever you listen to this, it's a beautiful day. Sun is shining. Birds are chirping. God's good. Whenever that is. So some people do like the 55 and rain and weather. There are it those people out there. Let's they like to throw that. the flannel it, on and cozy up. Cozy with up fire. with a you know coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got the patio furniture out, deck set up, but we haven't sat in it. Yeah, yeah. We had dinner outside last night, uh, two nights ago at Grandma and Papa's out on their deck. Yeah, it's great. Spring Sp- has sprung. I love it. I love it. I remember vividly down. This is the old down the. Uh, down the old rabbit hole. Oh, we're not down it yet? Oh, no, this goes farther. Oh, okay. I do remember vividly. I think it was uh, one of my college years came home. We still had the boat, and it was early May, early to mid-May, and it was 90-plus degree day. We went to the lake and went wakeboarding and boating, and it was one of those weird 92 degrees, May, whatever, 10th, 12th, and it just was, the water was chillier, obviously, but it was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So it does happen once in a while around here. Was yep. that the Taiga or the Malibu? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was a long time ago, Greg. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Twenty. We were talking about years. taking the boat out. If it, if we weren't busy on Sunday, we we're like, let's let's take the boat out because yeah, Sunday was eighty seven, and we were in Coeur d'Alene on uh, Saturday, um, and it was like, oh, you guys want to take the boat out tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, we got a meeting. Uh, we got a meeting too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That whole work thing, getting in with the wave of getting outside. and That's what I'm saying. It fools you. Like, it's summertime. You kind of, you know, change the rhythm. I've been sunburnt, like, twice already. It's awesome. All right. Should we jump into, like, Jesus stuff? Sure. Jump out of the rabbit hole into Uh, a different rabbit hole. Right. Uh, So we we started in uh, Chapter 21 of Matthew with Jesus coming to town, like, for the final week, the big... The big showdown. We talked about it briefly too. Just how much of the scriptures are dedicated to these few days? Uh, what Jesus is doing, he's teaching, and obviously the the crucifixion and the resurrection. So through all the gospels, it's a it's a good chunk of because it's the foundation of our faith, right? It's a good chunk of the the gospels, the story of Jesus. It's like the this week in this moment. Yep. And so uh, we hit it a little bit, but he shows up in a royal way and a triumphant entry and procession and uh, fanfare, uh, but maybe not to the degree that he's worth, right? And not even close. <laughs> okay. All right. We can't, Kyle and I said that. We're just checking in with you if you had the same sort of <laughs> opinion. On not even close. <laughs> uh, one day when he returns, then there's there's the the showing showing up of the king that you would think that everybody's going to know, every knee's going to bow, there's going to be a real clear... Uh, and obvious, the king has come. But it did put the whole city stirring. Like, people began to go, who is this guy? What's happening? Why all this commotion? What is going on? And so we, we covered a little bit of that to say, if we want to jump back into that, um, we sure can. But I think there's some fascinating things here uh, with this tree thing. And I don't even know what to make of it. <laughs> 
it is it is interesting where um, early in the morning they were back they're on their way back to the city and Jesus was hungry right he was hungry he says I'm in uh, verse 18 seeing a fig tree by the road he went up to it but found nothing on it except leaves then he said to it may you never bear fruit again immediately the tree withered I mean that's a way to start your day out right as you're walking your normal commute and you have this moment with Jesus then the disciples were amazed how did this fig tree wither so quickly they asked Jesus Jesus replied I tell you the truth if you have faith and do not doubt not only can you do what was done to the fig tree but also you can say to this mountain go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer we'll just pause right there on that that's a big passage right it's it's just a few verses yep but this this believe don't doubt you're going to do greater things and if you if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer then there's whole movements and whole uh, denominations and whole uh, groups of people that are living in that camp a lot more than others and it creates confusion and controversy and uh, blessing and miracles and there's there's just a it's a uh, kind of a minefield it feels like a little bit in our in our theology so help us with this pastor Kyle pastor Craig like help us with what's going on here with Jesus cursing this tree yeah, yeah. And back what do we up do with back this? up to the first part uh, and we touched on it last week kind of at the end because we talked about Santa Claus and the kids faith and all that kind of stuff Hey, I didn't get any pushback on the there Santa Claus thing. There you go, Claus no thing. emails? Nothing. That's good. I mean, maybe um, I missed it, but nothing. We had another conversation in our in our meeting after this meeting, talking about it for another 10 minutes, which is great. Uh, but we, we touched on this, right? So the, the temple clearing thing, right, where we see this kind of maybe different side of Jesus, and this, this is right after that, and uh, Matthew's still making the same point. Uh, it's not two separate things and two points that he's trying to make uh, with the judgment of Israel. And so this symbolic fig tree, um, there's tons of Old Testament um, imagery and references in what Jesus is doing. And again, if we correlate it and understand the context of what happened in the temple and what happened is now, what's happening now with this fig tree, representing Jerusalem, which is um, again, God's people, God's nation, uh, that should be bearing fruit, but isn't. And that's Jesus' point. I'm coming to Jerusalem, seeking fruit and fruitfulness of God's people, and there's none. Now, the irony there is that the fig tree, according to one of the other gospel writers, uh, wasn't even supposed to have fruit on yeah. it at that point. It wasn't the season for fruit. Yeah, that's another curious thing. Like, why is he mad if it's not, exactly. it's not spring? All right, why are you thinking there's fig tree? Yeah, I heard, I listened to the Bible Project podcast on this, Tim Mackey, um, and them talking about it and going super, super, super deep, really confusing, but talking through these ideas and the imagery that's there and making that point. Like, wait, why? Okay, why is he mad if it's, if it shouldn't be bearing fruit, but it, but he's kind of expecting it to. Um, but again, if understanding the symbolism between what Jesus is seeking from the people, from God's people, to have fruitfulness, to have faith, but there's none. And so he curses it. So do you have any thoughts on the out-of-season thing? Um, no. <laughs> and that's a fine Except thought to have. Out. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know what to make of that. That's one of the things, hopefully it's helpful for people listening, is this tension we feel to have an answer for everything. Right. 
And if we don't have an answer for that thing, then it... I, I do have an answer for that thing. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> and the point is, I don't know is an acceptable answer. Yes. And, and all of us feel this. Uh, when we go, I don't know. And if someone was to challenge me on that, I might look foolish and not know how to explain that. So it lessens my confidence in that. Then I, then I transfer that to all of my theology. Then go, man, maybe... Jesus isn't really God, and you know, and you start to go down this road. Maybe Jesus didn't pay for my sins, and maybe I'm not really forgiven. Because if I can't have an exact, detailed, scientific answer for this, how do I have confidence in all the rest of it? Right. And I know I'm I'm exaggerating a bit there, but if you take a few different key things through Scripture, and you're like, I I don't know is my answer. I'm going to go with trust God, and He's He's sovereign, and He's got more going on here than I realize. It can cascade to where you begin to just doubt everything. So you don't have to have 100% confidence in every single thing to have 100% confidence in one thing, uh, which is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And, and let's take it to its logical end conclusion. If we had an adequate explanation of every passage and understood everything thoroughly, then it wouldn't be a revelation of an infinite God because it would be comprehensible at a human level on a finite basis. And that's no God at all. Yeah. So uh, there, Plus I'd be we disappointed have this... if there weren't things in his word that just completely defy our understanding. And we wouldn't have the need for this amazing podcast that talks about weather and stuff. There you go. <laughs> Again, I think the complexities of it and the the details and as the, the deeper you dive into it, you know, it's, it is it is confusing. And there is a lot of stuff going on. But if we look back to the context, we look to what we've been talking about through Matthew the whole time, we look to, again the Old Testament scriptures and the references and understanding what Jesus is doing in Jerusalem, the the main point is pretty clear. Uh, I read this this week that I really liked. The withering of the fig tree is therefore a prophetic sign of the future destruction of Israel's most important sacred shrine. Um, Jesus has come to Jerusalem seeking fruit and finding none. And then the temple is therefore doomed to destruction. And so, again, this imagery. And then we like to, the the disciples are looking there and they're, um, like their focus is, well, you just like snap your fingers and this happened. Like that's their focus, right? Like, whoa, they're kind of missing out on what he's saying even and what, what he's trying to communicate through this, right? The prophetic aspect of it, the symbolic aspect of it. And they're just like, whoa, you can do that, right? Like you can say this and then this happens. Um, and they, they think the, the teaching about power and faith can almost kind of seem a little bit unrelated to the fig tree. Like, okay, he's done with that. Now he's moving on to this message and talking about faith. Um, but again, I read this that I thought was, was pretty clear in what this is talking about with the idea of faith. Um, Jesus's explanation for the withering of the tree highlights the importance of a complete loyalty and commitment to God. Jesus's fidelity to God is proven true by his symbolic actions regarding the tree, while the destruction of the temple clearly demonstrates Israel's lack of faithfulness. Jesus is not suggesting that faith guarantees the reception of anything one may desire. The promise assumes a commitment to the will of God and a willingness to forego individual rights for the sake of the purpose of God. Um, So his focus on faith there is, again, all related to his frustration in the temple with people misunderstanding their relationship with God and their worship of God, the lack of fruitfulness of the people represented by the image of the tree, 
and this idea that if you are committed to God, there is this act of faith and there is this beautiful relationship with God that does bear fruit and does bring blessing and does bring things. Um, we get we get focused on the uh, you know the faith of a mustard seed or move the mountain. Like I could literally have this mountain move over here and all that kind of stuff and Jesus, miss Jesus's point of commitment to God and bearing fruit because of that commitment to God is the focus. And this is what I'm bringing is heaven to earth and a new way to relate to God. And when you have faith in that, when you put aside everything else and focus on that, the results are, are beautiful. I think the key phrase is, if you have faith and do not doubt. Yeah. This is an if-then kind of statement Jesus is saying. And so we need to understand the if before we get focused on the then, the, the, the condition before we focus on the result. And when he says, if you have faith, to your point, Kyle, I, I think he's talking about real faith in the living God committed faith, a faith in Jesus and, and a, an understanding of what faith in him means. It's, it's what you just said. And, and then do not doubt. I think a lot of times we have faith to believe that something could be, but we're not convinced that it necessarily should be. And so we have some doubts and we don't meet the conditions here. Now, I, I think a more important thing to understand or remember is that Jesus himself said that he never did anything that he didn't see the Father doing or say anything he didn't see the Father saying. So this is not um, an impromptu thing. This probably is something that he caught a glimpse of in his morning prayer that day or, you know, as he was walking along early in the morning. The Father shows him, you know, that this needs to happen. The Father's, I don't know how that worked exactly, but Jesus said that's how he operated so this is not something he just decided to do, and I mean, he was hungry and had kind of an attitude, and he, you know, cursed the tree. No, this is something that is the will of the Father, and, you know, why is it the will of the Father? At least for the reasons that you pointed out. It's a, a metaphor. It's an illustration of the nation, and all those uh, truths are wrapped up in it, as well as the truth about, or the instruction, the encouragement, teaching about faith and, and how to get results if we have faith and do not doubt. It's all wrapped up in that, and Jesus just operating in obedience to the Father in this moment. Yeah, and I think that's the key in, in the context of Jesus, specifically as we talk through these seven days and what's going on, Jesus's like unhinged faith and obedience to God, right? We have to remember that he's walking to his death. He's, he's following obedience to God and faith at the highest level. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so understanding that, it's like, Again, Jesus' model of faith is like obedience to who God is and what God calls you to. And his model of faith is like being shown in the way that he's marching on his way into a city to be crucified. And that's what he's saying. Like, this is faith, trusting God without doubting and knowing that I don't have all the answers and I don't know why. And I don't really even want to at times, but that's God's will and my faith says I do it. And if we zoom out a little bit, the example of the fig tree is repeated over and over again here in the next few verses to the to the macro point that Jesus is making is he showed up looking for people of faith and to be bearing the fruit of the kingdom. And he found quite the opposite in a lot of the quote unquote God fearing religious people. Right. I did the little mini quotes with my hands there. Um but he, he, they were mini. They're they're not full size quotes. Because they were close together. Oh, okay. I think. Anyways, uh, you have to watch that on the YouTube. Um, but he asked a group of people about John's baptism. Questioning was it from heaven or from man, and they're not sure because he's pointing to their lives. Hey, you need to have a fruit. Then he tells a story about 
two sons and their obedience slash disobedience, and they went and worked in a vineyard, right, to produce fruit. Um, the parable of the tenants is the people taking care of what God has entrusted them with, and then they end up killing the son. And so he's he's making this point over and over and over again where he's looking for genuine people who are about the kingdom of God, have faith in God, and are bearing the fruit of the kingdom, um, even to the point where he says to the people, chief priests, the Pharisees, um, he looks at them and go, you're not making it. And the people you think aren't making it, tax collectors, prostitutes, they're making it into the kingdom of God. And it's quite the shift in their thinking as far as bearing fruit for, for God. And so that's where, that's where we can kind of get some help on this. But I, I think do, so. I do want to circle back around to this uh, if-then thing you threw out there. Yeah, I, I did too before we moved on too farther, too yeah. much further. But I just wanted to point out, like, that's part of, like, read the, read the whole chapter, read the whole section, keep going through the whole gospel, get a fuller picture before we zoom in or, uh, you know, be way too easy just to have verse 22 be a bumper sticker or a slogan that says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Boom. There you go. And I'm just going to preach that and teach that and then just promote that. And then hopefully that hits you in your life well and applies perfectly and you have a full context of what Jesus is doing in this moment. It's too easy just to grab that out and I, use I it as kind of a... I agree entirely. However, let's flip the coin over and talk about the other side because the statement is clear. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And, and on so many occasions, Jesus chided the disciples, oh, you of little faith. Yep. Uh, why do you doubt? Uh, when they were tossed in the Sea of Galilee by the raging storm, the boat was starting to sink, or they thought it was going to. Um, when they were feeding the 4,000, the 5,000, all those occasions, he pointed out the fact they didn't have faith. And if they, the point is clear. If they had faith, they would have believed that what happened could happen, that Jesus could calm the storm, that he could feed you know, thousands of people from a little boy's lunch, that kind of thing. So, so there is a place for us to embrace the truth here that, that faith does bring results, and often the lack of results is tied to a lack of faith. We, we, can't, we can't skirt around that uh, by explaining the context. Or I think if we get too caught up in the context and the larger picture there, uh, we end up inadvertently minimizing the value of that truth and that teaching. Faith gets rewarded. Yeah. Without yeah, faith, it's no, impossible to I, please God, Hebrews 6. Yeah, I, 6. James says, if you need wisdom, ask God. He'll give it to you. But don't doubt. But don't doubt in that process. Don't be like, I don't think you're going to do it, but I'm going to ask. Yep. He says, don't doubt. Yeah, I, I completely agree that, that the, the focus and the emphasis is obvious, that the idea of faith and what he's looking for, what he's seeking, the idea, I think as we drill down into the context, I think it's helpful for me, again, as I understand Jesus's faith, and he's going, I'm facing death, and I'm trusting that I'm going to defeat death and raise again, right? Like, that's going to happen. All of this stuff that's going on, I'm going to die, but I have faith that I won't stay dead. And obviously, he is God, communing with God, all that kind of stuff that's the more complicated part, but that's his point to his disciples. Like, hey, if you have faith, you can face death because you trust that God has something beyond that. And that's this example of the fruitfulness he's talking about. Like, you should be able to move mountains and 
a couple of uh, commentaries I did research on said that that was a, a common Jewish phrase that was related, you know, it's like, you know, idioms that we have that talk about like an impossible task or something that's, you know. Yeah, we're going to conquer the city. Like our business is going to take over this town. Yeah. Like or the just whole town, literally hyperbole the whole that we yes. would use, right? That right. Jesus is using this as like, if you live this way, again, like I'm living and like I've been teaching you, oh, you have little faith, like the whole time. Faith in me, it's going to get you where you want to go. It's going to bring you an abundance of life. Trust in me and watch what I'm doing. You can do it too. Um, and he's going to the point of like, I'm going to die. And I will, my faith is saying that that's not the end. And that's a huge example of what he's trying to teach us and them that when we trust in God, we, we can face anything because God is bigger. It, it is hard to um, reconcile. Because it feels like, well, okay, so my level of faith and my level of not doubting will result in the good things of God and the blessings of God. So if I can do better with faith and a trust in God and then not doubt, I should get whatever I ask for and I should get the wisdom. How do you how do you help someone with that? Um, like we part of a conversation this week was some uh, extended family member, they were facing some illness and they're just not going to go traditional uh, medical route to, to resolve it or to try to help cure it. So they're just going to go faith in God and we're going to believe and we're going to say no to traditional medicine here on earth and believe in heavenly healing. Some view, some view that as, yeah, way to trust God. Some view it as irresponsible, not taking advantage of opportunity and resources God has put in front of you. How do you, how do you help yeah, with that? I think when that in, that's, that's a complicated question and all that kind of stuff. Again, I go back to, and I, and I already read it today, I don't think that Jesus is, again, to the extreme that you say, some religions, denominations, people take this as to, what Jesus is saying is you could ask for anything. God, give me a piece of cake here right now. I have enough faith that you could do that. Like, I full-on believe Jesus could do that. I want a piece of cake. Give it to me. Like, that's not what he's talking about. But you're not even dessert guy, so yeah, you're not even true. genuinely asking. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even that hungry right now, so <laughs> I was just trying to use an example. Like, but, I, I feel like I have an 11-year-old at school right now praying, dear God. Yeah. Let my dad get let, off work and come pick me up. Let some responsible adult who wants to golf show up at 11.35. Yes. Or at least just give me my clubs and get me to the course. God, can you right. transport me to the can course right now? To, go by myself. Right. Again, I'll, I'm going to reread this because I think it's good. The, the, what Jesus, what happens here is not suggesting that faith guarantees the reception of anything one may desire. It assumes the commitment to God in his will and his, the willingness to forego, again, our personal desires. It's that faith in who God is and God's will and seeking God's will to go, I have faith that God knows best and that God is is my supplier and God is is the person who's leading me through this. I think it's a different way that we look at it because we tend to think this is like, Oh, God gives me anything I want. How do I get what I want? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think the faith that Jesus is talking about is a complete abandon. It's like when he called people to him and said, you know, you're going to hate your father and mother. You're going to leave everything because you're committed and you have faith that what I have is better than what your job could give you, what those other relationships could give you, and your complete devotion and love and following of me is one of faith. That takes a huge amount of faith to trust that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he would do, and then we we walk in that. Yeah, to your specific example, Scott, I would say this, um, that it's not for me to say. 
I think it's far too easy to pass judgment on other people's decisions uh, and 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 have an opinion about how they live out their faith when it's really not our prerogative to do so. Now, I, I have to admit, you know, many, many, many times, countless times over the years, I've been that guy that had an opinion about how somebody else decided to live out their faith. But that's not really for any of us to decide. Uh, Romans chapter uh, 14 talks about um, accepting your brother not for the purpose of passing judgment on their uh, decisions or or their opinions or you know, having uh, uh, an attitude about the choices that they make. Um, that's a rough paraphrase of the first passage, their first section in Romans 14. And it's another issue altogether, but I think the principles still apply, that, that it's not for me to, to judge the servant of another. I mean, it specifically says that. Uh, who are you to judge the servant of another? To their own master they stand or fall and stand, they will because the Lord's able to make them stand. That's a better translation of a couple of the verses there. And I, I just think that applies in situations like this. Um, if they want to, you know, go to, you know, one route or the, take the other route or take a hybrid approach, uh, that's up to them. That's their personal relationship with Jesus when it comes to illness and medicine. Now, having said that, there is a verse uh, or two. Uh, there's a passage about an Old Testament king, and when he got sick, he went to the doctors first, and the Scripture points out, and I forget which king it is, have to research it, maybe put it in the notes, but um, he, was, he, was, uh, he was judged by the Lord because he didn't seek the Lord first. He went to the doctors instead, and it doesn't say that it was bad for him to go to the doctors. It's just that he didn't go to the Lord first, so if we're going to go to the, down the route of medical treatment, which I have many times and would again, um, the Scripture simply says, go to the Lord first. Say, Lord, I'm trusting you and I'm asking you to lead me in this process. And if he leads us to take advantage of available medical services, then so be it. At least we went to the Lord first and asked him to be the one orchestrating the process. Yeah. God first always works in every situation. In every situation. And it should be on on uh, on autopilot there. Like, God first. Here we yep. go. God first. Yep. King Asa, A-S-A. Thank Second you. Second Chronicles 16. In the 39th year of his reign, King Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. He had some bunions or something. Yeah. Bunya. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And as a, as a king, right, he's in, in that era particularly, he's intermediary between kind of the people and God. And so for sure, he should be leading the charge God first and... I and think it is tricky because I agree with, with you as far as like, hey, if they feel like that's what God, they went to God and say, hey, what do we do with this? And mm-hmm. okay, just trust me and let it be a testimony and um, banking on the fact that we're ultimately healed in heaven and the reality of that is true. Um, so it just gets harder if, if it's people that are close to us and personal and they're, yep. whether it's a health decision or other decisions and you feel like, I feel like you're not taking advantage of resources and opportunities here on earth that maybe God is directing you to use from my vantage point. And it's hard to sit by and feel like they're maybe making a wrong choice or going through extra suffering. You know what I mean? Or, or not exactly doing the wise thing, being foolish. And, yeah. and and you're going, that that's not faith. That's just being foolish, right? And so you're saying, and so, yeah, I think it's tough, man. I We talked a lot about this in our small group on Tuesday, and, and I thought more about it and been praying for a lot of people who are kind of in this in this place right now, some of whom are, are fully seeking 
all you know different ways, some of who aren't. But I just, man, I was praying about it, and I, I was getting really emotional about it, just thinking through people I've prayed for before that I full-on believed God was healing them. Like, we, we prayed, and we fasted, and we went all out as a community, and they weren't healed in the devastation of that. And then I've prayed, and I've seen the miraculous. I've seen healing. I've seen God do inexplicable things that literally doctors were like, yep, no explanation. This was a miracle. And so it's it's tough. It's difficult. I mean, we sit here and talk about it and read commentaries and all this kind of stuff, but practically it's it's difficult. Like we go, God, like what the heck? Why didn't you save this person? Did I not have enough faith? And then we can get to that point where it's detrimental to like, I'm not good enough or God, God doesn't do that thing, right? I, he said if I had faith, it would happen, and I did. I fully believe that God could do that. I've seen him do it. I don't believe I had any doubt. I Man, I went after it and and thought that, that God was going to have a different outcome. So it's difficult. It's it's sticky. It's yeah. it's complicated and, and complex in our day-to-day lives and in all the circumstances. And I think for me, it goes back to, Craig, how you started at the beginning. I I don't know, and I don't get it. I don't know why God saves some people and God doesn't, why God heals some people and some people are healed only in heaven. I don't know. I I still believe that God can. I still believe that God desires. I still believe that I'm going to seek and I'm going to try to have faith without doubt. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't want to sit here and just be like, yeah, it's easy. Just, again, because I think that's what some people do. Yeah, Matthew 21, 22, just have faith. I had friends at Bible college like that. Well, you didn't pray hard enough. Like, get out of here. Like, that's that's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's it's tricky to go like even on the doubting. Like, I don't think I doubted. Wait, yeah. did I doubt? I know. I'm doubting if I doubted or not. You yeah. know what I mean? You can play yeah, these mind games. But as we transfer our trust, another definition of faith, transfer our trust in ourselves, ability, and power to God, and therefore have faith that it's. His promise, his power, his ability to produce and come through. Um, and we surrender ourselves fully. Kyle, you've reminded us at least twice. Surrender ourselves fully to God's will and his sovereignty in our lives and the lives of people around us. And it's his universe and it's his, his program here. We're along for the ride. We're a vapor, just a oof, in the light of all eternity. Uh, so we surrender ourselves. Jesus did that, right? Like you said. Kyle, he's marching yeah. to his death, and he gets to the point. Go, hey, if we got another plan here, he is he has faith in God's plan and ability, but he goes, hey, but your will, not mine, and he exactly. he surrenders. Now the sticky part is when I think when we apply things, go well, it didn't happen. I believed, didn't doubt, prayed hard, but I also surrendered myself to God's will. So therefore, that was God's will, yeah. and there's death and there's destruction and there's chaos and you go wait that was god's will is that god's will because then i'm starting to wonder who wait a minute god's will is to like kill people of, from cancer yeah now you, okay. you skipped a step in there okay. so help us with this so because i think this is the, you yeah, get, the real you struggle get an journey. outcome somebody dies that you've been praying for you get an outcome you didn't believe for didn't ask for it wasn't what you wanted um it it may be that you conclude that it was God's will not to intervene in that situation by inserting himself into what was going on in the natural world and accomplishing a miracle healing. That's perhaps God's will. 
but God didn't cause the sickness. He didn't cause the illness. He didn't cause the accident or whatever it was that was going on that, that caused that person to be in a life-threatening situation. That, that's the product of this world. That's not a product of God's uh, active involvement. He doesn't make people sick. He doesn't um, cause accidents to hurt people. He is a God who loves us and cares about us, and Jesus never made anybody sick, but he sure healed a lot of people. So we got to keep that in mind. However, yeah, no, it, I think it is that's... often God's will not to intervene. Because if he intervened every time, then that would be normative, not a miracle. Right? If he healed everybody every time, it prevented everything. I mean, take it to its logical conclusion. I mean, if, if, if no sick person ever died because we prayed for them and they always got healed 100% of the time, then that would become the norm. It wouldn't be... Which would exception. be amazing. Like, again, I, why, I, I, I'm like, why wouldn't God do that? Right, like, and that's where I struggle. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's so difficult. Yeah, I think it would probably lead us down the road. We don't need God at a certain point, you know. It's because it's it's too much of just you push a button and this happens, and it's not really requiring a lot of dependence. Um, you know, it's like well, as much as God, it, true that that's also true. It is, it is messy, and, and we're going to probably run out of time on this yeah. podcast to dive much deeper on this. Um, one thing I will point out, though, it, well, and that I, is that Scripture, I, I mentioned this uh, rule of thumb on the podcast before, Scripture interprets Scripture. So when you have a passage like Matthew 21, 22, you have to take into account other passages on the same subject because they all help one another uh, bring out the meaning, the, the, the larger picture on the particular subject, in this case, faith. Uh, for example, 1 John chapter 5, we know this, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know he hears us, then we know we have the thing that we've asked of him. Those are three verses out of 1 John 5, and it tells us very specifically how that works. Well, the key phrase there is, if we ask anything according to his will. So what, what is God's will? Is it God's will to intervene in the case of my loved one who is lying on their deathbed in the hospital? I don't know. That's for the individual to determine that. Is it God's will for that person to be saved? Yes, because they have explicit scripture. God is not willing any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So I know God wants my loved one to be saved. I don't know for sure if God wants my loved one to be healed or if he's going to allow death to take its natural course in this particular situation. Yeah, and I'll, I, I think w slowing down here, I think it's really, really key, and maybe people didn't hear it, but um, we do jump, like I said in my example, we do jump right to the result and go, oh, I guess God doesn't want them to be healed. You, I think you just kind of misspoke right there, too. God doesn't want them to be healed. Cancer was God's will. There you go. Yeah, you and didn't. Miss, I don't think you misspoke. You just, the, the, the way that you say that, like, it's not God's will that they would be healed. Not God's will to intervene in a miraculous healing. Right. Yeah. And, but God's desire is for wholeness and healing. It's just greater than here on earth. Correct. And so God's will is for wholeness and healing and perfection, which will happen. I have faith and don't doubt. Oh, absolutely. It. Will happen, and we will receive new bodies, and there's in the, new heaven the kingdom, and new earth. But, but the, the reality of God, is it your will to intervene in this moment and cause the result that we are asking for? We just trust God with that. That's his department. That's his sovereignty. Right. And that we don't um, un unjustly, maybe that's the wrong term, but go, well, 
God, you're the cause of that sickness and dis- destruction and the failed business and, 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 and that's, the relationship that's the broken. We do not want and to we go, to. well, I guess that's your will for us to get divorced because you didn't, you caused it or, you know what I mean? We attribute yeah. our consequences and our actions to like, well, I guess it's God's problem, God's fault. Like, Yeah, I think that's the dangerous part as, I, as we keep unpacking this and walking through that is God can. And, and I fully believe that. And we think that. And I think a lot of people, I've seen it before. I know God can. And he didn't. And why didn't he? And then we attribute some of those things to God. Right. Well, God doesn't care about me. God God didn't want my loved one to be healed, right? You, you, when you talk about it that way, like, it was his will that they didn't have a miraculous healing. Why would that be God's will? Why wouldn't God want every single person who has cancer to not have cancer? And that is true. God doesn't want anybody to have cancer. That's the will of God, that we would not be broken and hurting. And there's the fact that we live in this fallen world and that we make choices that affect our world and affect our bodies and affect sickness and all that kind of stuff. Um, but th- when we skip some of these steps and play it down, we, we attribute these things to God and it affects the way we view God and then interact with God. I mean, I know all of us probably have people who are like, oh, yeah, I had faith, but then you know, God stopped doing this thing or God didn't show up in this way and it, it was detrimental to my faith. And my faith started to unwind because... You know, I thought God would heal this person. They lived a, a great life. They loved people. They were beautiful soul. They and they were you know, and they were seeking healing, and God didn't do it. Like, why would God do that? But then, this murderer got you know healed, and this or this bad person who never did anything right, and they lived a terrible life, and they had this miraculous story. Like, I can't compute that with the will of God. And yeah. that is very difficult, and and it it twists us up inside sometimes trying to make sense out of that. I think for me, what has helped me the most over the years is to remember two things about this thing we call the human experience, this this world, this life. Number one is the place of individual free will. As much as God would want to, he chooses not to um, go against our free will. So we make choices, and he doesn't force us to make a better choice or a different choice. He respects the fact that he gave us free will so much in fact, he views the fact that we have free will as a sacred part of us being created in his image. He respects that so much that he uh, will not override that. And so there's, there's this elevated place of, of human free will that we need to understand. God's not going to go against that as much as he would want to. And then the second thing is that what, what he's set in motion in this world right now is um, is a, is a there, there are a whole lot of agendas playing out that are part of God's ultimate purpose and the, the end of the age and the consummation of human history in a way that is preordained by God. There's, there are much bigger agendas and much bigger um, uh, objectives that God has in mind than the immediate situation that I'm dealing with. And he's more about the... the, the he cares about us as individuals, but he also cares very much about the big plan playing out. The example, I think the best example is Jesus himself. He's on, here he is on his way to Jerusalem to die. And, and Peter, remember when Peter cuts the ear off the one guy and Jesus says, Peter, hey, chill, man. Don't you know that all I'd have to do is just ask the Father and he would send legions of angels to come rescue me out of this? So Jesus has the faith. He knows that he could be rescued out. And even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying, you know, if there's any way I could avoid this, this is so horrific. I do not want to have to go through this. At a human level, I'm just dreading this. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so 
Why did the father let him go through that? Why did the father let him be treated that way? Because of a larger purpose. Be- yeah, because of, of our redemption. Love for us. Yeah. He, now, did he take pleasure in that happening to his son? No, absolutely not. But he knew that because of the larger purpose, there was no other way than, but then to allow Jesus to go through all that humiliation and suffering because there was a much bigger, grander purpose at stake. And this is how good God is. And I think this helps with going, well, did God cause the cancer? Did God cause the failed business? You know, he's the cause of that. No. James 1, 13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desires, he's dragged away and enticed. So, if God is so good that he's, he won't even tempt us with evil, and then you're going to attribute the evil in the world that he's the cause of that. Like, whoa, time out here. Like, he's so good, he's not even... He's not even going to tempt us to do evil, which is so how awesome. can he possibly be the cause of evil? Of the and he's evil. not. He's not. It's the God of this world and the human beings. Our that disobedience have made and our own evil desires yes. and our desire to rebel All and choose, choose our own way and to try to be our own God and to go, well, I'm not going to surrender myself to God's will. I'm going to try to do my own thing here, build my own empire and try to make this my own universe. Well, it's not. So. It's, it is a tricky thing, and I think the helpful part is to, to know who Jesus is, know who God is, and how the Spirit works in our lives, um, and to surrender ourselves, and to have gratitude, and to uh, rightly go, okay, God, your will, not mine, and I don't want to make the mistake of attributing my evil desires and my actions and my negligence to you, and go, look what you did, mm-hmm. uh, and then therefore cause havoc on my faith. Yeah, and I think, again, the big picture headline stuff that we do know is that God's will is that everybody would be healed and whole. God's will is for benefit and blessing and and wholeness and healing. Um, Absolutely. We can't say that loud enough enough. That's God's will, and we get to experience that forever in heaven, and this is what we just talked about this last week, that as Christ followers, we have a job to bring heaven to earth and to bring God's will to earth. And the only way we do that is by seeking God's will and living for him and not for ourselves. Um, but the only way that um, that would happen now is if, like Scott, you said it, if everybody was seeking God's will and nobody was selfish ever and nobody had, you know, was struggling with the curse of sin. We just know that that's not the case. And so in our world now, we we can can seek God's will to trust him and to know that his will is that people are healed and whole and blessed and and fruitful and then we seek ways in which we can bring God's will on earth we seek God we live for him we like Jesus and that's bringing it all back around that's what he's saying watch what I do I'm being obedient to the Lord even unto death I know this is God's will I'm seeking God's will I'm living into it and I'm not thinking about myself and um, he, we image God in those in those moments as we as we love him and follow him and follow his example. Yeah. I want to change it up a little bit and come back to the this conversation that he has where his authority is challenged. You talked about it earlier, Scott, in Matthew 21, um, where they said, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? And they're challenging Jesus. And then he asked the question about John the Baptist, and it's it's a question where they they're kind of they're between a rock sneaky. and a hard place. Yeah, it's very sneaky. I love it. Very, it's not very, even sneaky. It's just very direct, skillful. Actually, skillful. Yes. Yeah. Jesus is brilliant in how he handled people. Anyway, so he gets them to a place where they realize, okay, no answer that we give 
is going to result in anything good. So they refused to answer. Uh, the well, old rock they said, we do place. not know. The yeah, old it's catch 22. They said, we don't know. We don't know. Like, yeah. Kind of like Craig's answer. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, but they then do. I, but then it says, so Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And what I want to point out is they asked the question, by what authority are you doing these things? And Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to point out that, that I'm not going to tell you is an answer to prayer. Not now is an answer to prayer. Maybe sometime is an answer to prayer. I, I hear people talk like, well, that prayer didn't get answered. And what they mean is I didn't get the answer I was asking for. These guys asked a question and they didn't get the answer that they were looking for, but they did get an answer. And I, I think we just need to be okay at times with Jesus just saying, yeah, I, I can't answer that question for you right now. Uh, or the answer, yes, I can answer. And the answer is no. Uh, Paul did experience that three times. He prayed the same thing and got the same answer. The answer was no. My grace is sufficient. And so um, we just need to realize that answer to prayer isn't just limited to the answer we want. All kinds of other answers. Yes, but not now is an answer to prayer. Yes, but not until, you know, such and such. Yes, um, but not for a long time. Uh, yes, but not in this life. Those are all answers to prayer. We just may not like them. We just don't like them. And I think the one maybe distinction would be uh, from someone who's a genuine Jesus follower and and passionately trying to seek God and, and have some clarity around something uh, would be um, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to tell you because I don't think these folks were genuinely trying to follow Jesus and discern God's will and to oh, be obedient sure. in and, that situation and submit themselves. Yeah, in that situation, it's still a valid answer for us today if we're seeking God and He goes, "I'm not going to let you know." And sometimes it's because if we knew, it wouldn't be helpful for us. Or if He did answer in the way we wanted to, it wouldn't necessarily be helpful for us. In uh, in John somewhere in the upper room discourse, he has. Um, I think it's at the end of the discourse. He, he makes this interesting statement. He says, I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, you couldn't handle, I, I, I want to tell you all these things. I want to explain stuff to you, but you just, you don't have the capacity right now. And, and it wouldn't be good for you to try and, so he says, I, you know, this is not the time. Yeah. I see this when they're, they're having this discussion with Jesus in the temple courts, right? Uh, it's kind of like a shark take, take moment for me. If you ever <laughs> shark watched, tank moment? Yeah, if you ever watched that. They Boy, come the in. Shark, they shark come in. Been around that long. They come in looking for a deal, and and then Jesus offers them a deal. All right, all right. I'll go equity in your company, but you got to answer my question. They have the little <laughs> side conversation, you know. If you've seen the show, the yes. And then people go out because they're like taking too long or whatever. And they come back with a counter. They're like, we don't know. Like, well, no deal for you because you can't figure it out. You with me on this, Craig? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm Kyle, not with you. Kyle doesn't no, get I'm it. I'm following you. Pull in on Shark Tank, but all out on how it They have this little, this. Say, hey, let's just talk. Like, okay, well, we're what, what screwed. What offer is Jesus? We're making? screwed either way. <laughs> he says, I'll tell you. You, wanna, uh, you want an answer? Okay. I'll tell you. But first, answer my question. Like, here's a hard business question back to them. And they can't. We can't say we know about, like, our profit margin or, like, product <laughs> or how we screwed up because then we'll... We, so they're having this side conversation. He's like, you guys, they're like, we don't have an answer. All right, no deal. Thanks for being in the tank. See you later. Yep. So, so uh, that's how my brain works, okay. man. I'm that's that's all right. the scriptures. I get it. Yep. See the shark tank. Mark Cuban sitting there. Like, sure. 
He's not Jesus, just in case you're wondering. No, he's not even one of the disciples. John 16, verse 12. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Well, that's a good way. We don't have any more things to say today because we're running out of time, (laughs) Craig. We... We probably do have many more things to talk about. This is feels like a little bit of the deep end of the theological yeah. pool today. Because um, so. I had about four different crash questions pop up in my head, but that would have taken us down a whole nother episode uh, as well. But I hope it's been helpful for you listening in. How to, how to genuinely have complete trust and faith in God and who he is and what he can do in our lives and to, to not doubt. Like Jesus invites us to, mm-hmm. um, to have our trust and our faith in him. Yep. He's God. He's sovereign. He's going to do some things. Believe, believe for big things. Dream big. Uh, ask God for, for big things. Absolutely. Still, the Bible still says you have not because you ask not. And again, I think the more that we can dive into understanding the will of God, that there it is complex and, and really hard for us to understand. But there are some of these things as you point to Scripture and you point to the, it's it's very obvious. Again, the highlight stuff, the bold stuff that we continue to say, the will of God in a lot of areas. It's it's really clear. Just God is black and white. This is my desire. This is what I want for you. This is what I want for all people. You referenced it. And so the more we understand the big picture will of God and who he is and how loving and caring and full of grace and mercy and justice he is, and then the faith part is we follow that. And so connecting personally with him, diving into that, diving into the scriptures, communicating with him, talking to him, and then work it out with other people man again our, our small group conversations the last few weeks as we've been wrestling with this and asking questions and diving into it have been i think so helpful as we just i don't know but what do you think about and it's just so if you're not connecting personally with jesus and then and then growing intentionally in relationship with other people um you're missing out on, on a beautiful way in which god calls us to follow him have a great week following jesus we'll be with you on the next episode